Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Sadu, coming to you from a sunny, beautiful Brooklyn afternoon. We have a winter sun and the sun rays have been bathing me all afternoon. I'm so happy for this day before the storms come, which are expected tonight. But enough about winter. We have a bright and sunny character that is with us today. He is a multi-talented keynote speaker, astounding audiences with his unique blend of poetry, hip-hop music, and relevant social messages. He has spoken at many prestigious universities, including Harvard University, Brown University, and UMass Amherst. And he has shared the stage with recording artists Common, KRS-One, and Ludacris. From large audiences to citywide Earth Day festivals to more intimate settings, including classrooms and school assemblies, his words inspire people, particularly youth, with powerful messages focused on personal transformation, critical thinking, global responsibility, and how young people can use their voices to be leaders in their communities. Tim Blessed, welcome to the podcast. Yes, indeed. Peace, love, and justice. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And so the question I first asked, we want to know where are you from, where are you local, and what is your craft? Yes. All right. So I was born to Mistocles Guzman Duarte Ferreira. So that's the whole Yeah. Um, You know, blessed, blessed with a Greek name by my father who was into history. You know, so Themistocles was a general admiral of the Greeks that actually got the title or his claim to fame is that he helped continue democracy uh, when it was being threatened. And so back when those who voted for war actually went to war, right, Um, at a different time, and maybe wars wouldn't, wouldn't be quickly People wouldn't quickly go to war if that was the case. But I always like to say, um, you know, I'm a general for peace. Waging love in the streets is really where I'm at right now. And so I grew up in New Bedford, although I was born in Guinea-Bissau, West Africa, to Cape Verdean parents. So I consider myself Cape Verdean. So I'm African-American. And only recently, post-Obama, have I been able to really take that on and, and realize that that's what I am And that's who I am in this life. Um, But I did most of my work in New Bedford, Massachusetts, where a lot of Cape Verdeans go and and settle. And mainly due to, historically, the whaling industry, but more recently, the fishing industry, because we are an island nation. And so a lot of folks were able to get work in those industries and then textile industries, which seems to be a lot of the work that folks in the past 30 years, we're getting some of it work as far as Cape Verdeans and other, other working class folks. Right now, though, I'm in Western Massachusetts in Amherst, where, mm-hmm. you know, I went to school at UMass Amherst. I uh, got my degree there. And although I went back after graduating to New Bedford, eventually came back to this area because it, it's just so beautiful as far as the environment. It has a great school system. And so I felt like it would be great for my children to get an education and be around nature more than the concrete jungle of, of New Bedford. I heard that. That's for true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, hip hop, hip hop has been much of my life and and, you know, comics also. So I'm glad that now I'm able to kind of blend the two and finally come full circle with that. OK, OK, yeah. OK. 
So you told us where you're from. You told us where you're local. And so tell us your craft. What is the magic? Oh, yeah. So, so the magic is spoken word, poetry, hip hop, rhyming, if you will. I am an MC, you know, and at age three, I came to the city and be family from country CV to be free, not fallacy, opportunity to make money, but mainly in criminality. My G.O.D. men in my brain understand the game. It's a shame. Funny at times. The serious, I choose to rhyme. You feel this? I shine to blind, vindictive, jealousy. Most brothers envy my clarity. I thought the way I talk to rock all shows, block oppose supreme negativity. Now I balance both, fortify my reality, conquer challenges to roll. Jedi on surreal, mystic, linguistic appeal to masses on the underground level. Kid chaos, a rebel, edible, delicious. Finger licking nutritious, make muscle mass men crispy chicken. I'm original formula. I'm sticking to uplifting my people, informing my crew. Never was no sequel. First man, God is one man. Give birth, Mother Earth, Africa, placenta. Bless, not curse, love maker, inventor, creator. I was set to take you to new places, new faces, constellations. See, I makes the most out of little. Yeah, so. Yes. <laughs> that was dope. That Thank was dope. You, you are you. definitely a spoken word and hip hop artist because yeah. that just rolled right out of you. I love it. I love word, it. Word, word. Nice. And I need it, you know, I, I think sometimes it's it's easier to share yes. <laughs> that piece yeah. than just to just to say it. And so, you know, the power of words as we know as so profound. I mean, sound and music and vibrations is really what life is made of. That's what scientists have been telling us, right? And yeah. um, we feel it and we can feel it when when we hear the marching band or or when uh, our parents are calling us <laughs> to the dinner mm-hmm. table. You feel the vibes and you, got, you move. And so, uh, you know, I've been moved by a lot of great artists throughout, you know, the past, whether it's, you know, Bob Marley or Rakim, Eric from Eric B and Rakim or, or Q-Tip and you know, all genres or the Cesaria Evera from Cape Verde. And so mm-hmm. we've all been moved by these great people and orators like, you know, Malcolm X or Martin Luther King. And and so I've always wanted to uh, continue that legacy as, as best I could and not to try to compare myself with to those great, amazing folks. But that's the spirit that we craft of some of the work that, you know, I've been doing for the past over 20 years now, just continuing to push out in the spirit of uplifting our people and, and bringing consciousness and life mm-hmm. to this place. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk about how you came to be an American. Yeah. Your family is Cape Verdean, but you, you actually didn't live in Cape Verde as a child. You grew up in Guinea-Bissau. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, so I was born in Guinea-Bissau um, yeah. and because of the, the fight for independence at that time, mm. you know, I like a, a number of other folks my age, we're, we're the children of the revolution, the children of the mm. independence. So mm-hmm. we got our independence from Portuguese. Portuguese was the colonizers, you know, in 1975. I was born in 74. And so my family immigrated. They moved from there because it was really turbulent. But my father really wanted us to have the opportunity, especially in education. And I, mm-hmm. I would love telling the story because he never let us forget it. He was like, the mm-hmm. reason why we're here is for you all 
to get an education. So at three years of age, I moved to it with my whole family, which was a blessing, all eight of us uh, to New Bedford, Massachusetts. Wow, 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 yeah. eight of you. So where, where are you in the birth order? So I'm the youngest. <laughs> oh, you're the baby. I'm the baby, oh. I'm the baby, yeah. I'm the baby, the family, youngest of six. And that's where the name Blessed came from, the stage name, is just realizing not only was I blessed to to be able to draw and to have this gift of gab and poetry, yeah. but yeah. also family, right? I realized when I looked around that, you know, I was really blessed to have, first of all, a mother and father in the home, right? A loving, caring, disciplined, organized home, and also uh, these older siblings that really uh, looked out for each other and, and really had each other's back. So that's where uh, the blessed came <laughs> came mm-hmm. from, more of a spiritual side of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I usually ask the question, why the where? But I think you've kind of covered it, you know, in terms of how your family moved across for education. But but I want to understand a little bit more, and you, and you mentioned why you are where you are, because you're at the nature in Amherst yeah. versus being somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But Let's get a little bit deeper into exactly why the where, you know, like, so for example, on your blog or what, you know, something specific, more specific about like, why did you choose where you are now to be living, working and playing? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting because for so much of my life, I had been in New Bedford and I feel very much connected to New Bedford, even after graduating from UMass you know, going back to New Bedford. So I'd, I'd love to talk about New Bedford, if that, if that. Oh, makes yes. Sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And, yeah. And, and so, you know, as, as I shared a little bit about why Cape Verdeans ended up in New Bedford, but, you know, I had the choice to go back to New Bedford um, after graduating because I really felt a, a connection to give back. Being the youngest of six, I was I was that kid that was trying to get his mom to have another kid. <laughs> and mom was like, uh, listen, no. I'm 40 years old at this point. Like, you know, I'm 46 at that time. She's like, it ain't happening, kid. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh that's not biologically possible now, you know. So I, I felt that I had been given so much. And so when I was at UMass, I did this mentoring program where I was like a tutor counselor and really caught the bug of helping young people, mentoring young people. And so when I graduated, I came back to New Bedford. Upward Bound program was the program that I, I started working at, became a residential director. And then there was this other national program called Youth Build that took young people, 16 to 24-year-old young adults, and really gave them an opportunity to learn carpentry skills. Some of them were getting their GEDs. And also we had a leadership program that gave folks opportunities to get like an AmeriCorps grant and go off to college. And so I was doing that by day. And, you know, I I, I, I saw myself like a Clark Kent kind of a black car by day being the youth worker. And at night, you know, continuing to pursue my hip hop career as 10 Blessed, you know, a, a hip hop artist and MC. And knowing that you know, both of those lives are very much inter- interchangeable in a sense that hip hop was and continues to be the language of the youth, especially in a city, urban youth and, you know, youth that are disenfranchised and most times marginalized. And so, you know, using that, the ability of poetry to really uniquely reach the young people 
through music and art and also fulfilling what I feel like is my mission and my purpose in life to continue to to elevate, you know, consciousness through music the same way that a lot of these great musicians and poets and activists and and so in that spirit really felt the responsibility in New Bedford who had a lot of historical roots first with Frederick Douglass that was the place that he went right when he escaped slavery he went to New Bedford first and started you know his abolitionist work there and then knowing, you know, some of the history through the 54th Regiment, I went to school at my elementary school was called Sergeant William H. Kearney Academy. And so we got some of that history from from folks right off rip, including my sixth grade, um, having Jabril Kazan, whose his former name is Izel Blair. And he's one of the Greensboro Four. So one of the mm. four young men in who sat at a World War counter and, and started these sit-ins and, and part of the whole civil rights movement, adding to the civil rights movement. And so we knew about this kind of growing up and being politicized by my father, who was also a political pres- uh, prisoner during that whole independence in, in Guinea-Bissau and Cape Verde. And he always talked to us about Amilcar Cabral, who is our George Washington, if you will, our Malcolm X, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, helped us gain our independence. And a lot of people, you know, in Guinea-Bissau and then in Angola, and even the Portuguese people, because um, uh, Guinea and Cape Verde, that was Salazar, who was the dictator of Portugal. That was that was their uh, Vietnam, if you will. And, and that allowed some of the youth to rise up in Portugal and, and say like, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. So yeah, so New Bedford is, is really dear to my heart because unfortunately it's still economically depressed, even though we we like to call and the youth like to call it secret city because there's a lot of talent, a lot of amazing beauty that, you know, is almost like a diamond in the rough. And so I always continue, even even after moving to <laughs> to Amherst, you know, get called all the time to go back to New Bedford and want to be, continue to be called. And even in, in the book, now that I wrote the first chapter, start off and the youth that are the heroes and the sheroes of the book are from New Bedford, Massachusetts. So I love New Bedford and always will feel that connection to its great history at one time being the the richest city in America because of the whaling industry and the fact Mm. uh, that that's where people were getting oil right before they struck oil on the ground. You know, that was the city that lit the world because there were melting the blubber of the whales and lighting. That's how we were lighting lanterns back in the 1800s. And so from then to now is where we're at. (laughs) Okay. That's dope. Like I never knew that New Bedford had all that history. You know, I I mean, I I think obviously because you lived there, you lived the history. So you Mm -hmm. knew a lot more about it. And so- Folks, the show notes are going to be really historical. You will have so much to like know and understand about Black history in the Northeast, particularly mm-hmm. as that being a, a seat of activism. Wow. Yeah, nice. totally. And also the links. You know, we had in the U.S. had the Great Migration is where how many, so many people moved from the South to the North. 
And I call the decolonization migration is kind of Mm -hmm. how a lot of our um, African diaspora came to the U.S. or moved. And so, you know, there was that that other kind of political strife. So you mentioned Salazar and Portugal having even their own internal like uprising revolution. So, yeah, I I think we in the U.S. absolutely do not learn very much in global history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and particularly not African history. So I love when I speak to people like yourself who are are bringing that and also bringing it in a new art form, not a new art form, but bringing it in different art forms that are attracting young people. And we'll talk more about your new book, which okay. I can't yeah. wait. But, but sticking a pin yeah. on the economics side of it, because yeah. you know we want to understand more about you as an artist, first yeah. and foremost. So you, you, you graduated school, yeah. you were looking at what you wanted to do, and so what were the economic drivers for you and thinking about like, how am I going to survive? Like, how did, how did the business person in you emerge? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great question because it's challenging, right? So once I left uh, UMass Amherst with a group called Busted Fro, that was the name of the group at the time. And we all rocked, you know, the froze were busted on before the locks <laughs> out here. And, and it's cool to see that a lot of the youth, even my children now, they're rocking a busted fro. I'm like, you guys are rocking a busted fro. <laughs> you know, behind me over there is a poster. But, you know, we looked to get signed. So it was, you know, mm-hmm. two, two MCs and a DJ. And we called that, you know, the original formula similar to Run DMC you know, where you had Ron and DMC and then Master J, we had that original formula. Here's these two MCs, two, two guys and a DJ, and all we need is the mic and the turntables, and we're going to do it. And we were shooting for that top tier. We had gone through, at that time, we didn't realize we were living through this golden age of hip-hop, 92 through 96. And so this spectrum of artists from the Fugees to... Wu-Tang to N.W.A. to Tupac and Biggie and Common and Black Star and The Roots, that was all at play. Like KRS-One was the top selling artist, right? And Outkast was like, before they crossed over and became mainstream, these were all artists that we were looking at as our peers and like, hey, we're going to be that next in that spirit. But then something drastically happened where, and and I believe it was just a hijacking of hip hop as a genre where it went very street heavy. And so hip hop has always been from the streets, from the community, from the park. Hip hop started out in the park. However, it really shifted where, you know, it was really about street cred. It was really about the drug game. It was really about, you know, so think right after Tupac, got killed. And I remember going on air, this was, you know, I want to say like, what was that? Like 95, 96, Tupac gets killed and there's a void. So who's going to fill that void? And here comes G-Unit, right? Here comes 50, here comes Ja Rule, here comes a lot of like the the Tupac lookalikes, but not Tupac talking about Black Panther and Black Steel and and the Our Chaos, or actually that's, that's a public enemy reference, but Tupac, uh, Dear Mama, you know, Tupac talking about Brenda's got a baby, right? Now it's Thug Life Tupac. You know, it's Tupac after Juice, right? You mm-hmm. know, Bishop mm-hmm. Tupac, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was very, like the bling. I call it the blinging of the music. Bling, yeah. And that's basically, as soon as that bling became the pervasive goal or the, totally. the puff up then. Yeah. yeah totally oh, changed. yeah. 
Yeah, and Puff, you know, and, and and you know, Biggie dying and Puffy becoming the the, yep. the main artist on his label, right? Um, mm-hmm. this, you can see definitely a, sh- a shift. And so I say all that just to say that we were like, hey, let's let's look to see if we're gonna get signed. And although we had some offers, it never made sense, right? It never. Yeah. It always felt like we were just going to be slaves on the plantation, if you exclude the analogy, but the reality of like, hey, we want to be independent and we're going to just make this be independent. Mm -hmm. And so when we launched our our first album, which was self-titled Busted Fro, it was in that spirit of just being independent, just saying what we wanted to say. We weren't going to glorify the violence that we were seeing in our neighborhoods because that really wasn't what we like to see or wanted to see. We were never inclined to to sell drugs. That wasn't, mm-hmm. for me, my upbringing was like, that's poison. Why would you sell that to your neighborhood? Even, even if you thought that that was your only choice. And we knew because we had a degree and because we could mm-hmm. be youth workers and activists and knowing that there was a spirit of entrepreneurship in the hip hop culture that, hey, we could, we can move these units out our trunk. And and we did, and, you know, and that's in the emergence also of the internet at that time. Once again, thinking about, you know, in 96 through 2001, when, which we find, that's when we finally launched our first album, knew that like, hey, we got something here that people want to hear, that people are hungry to hear, even in the midst of everything else. Let's do it ourselves. Let's put it out there and not only in the internet, but also hand to hand with the flyers. And, and luckily, you know, it struck a chord. People were excited about it and they also could hear the meat. And for me till this day, it's like, I love the beats. Yes. I love the, the, the rap, the flow of it. However, like, give me something, <laughs> give me some, yeah. something to, to, you know, give me some substance to yeah. the rhymes and just don't make it sound slick. Actually, give me some consciousness behind it. And why, what's the struggle behind this? You know, what's the celebration around your your rhymes that is so much a part of who we are as African people. So we continue to put out albums from 2021 and anon and even having a solo career myself as Tembless with Brilliance being my first offering and also internationally. So Strela Negra, Mm -hmm was the name of a group with JJ, who's who's another MC who raps just in Creole. I rapped in English, even though I do speak Creole. fala Creole, We're able to hold on to the native tongue and the mother tongue of, of Cape Verdean Creole, which is uh, a mixture, for those that don't know, of, of Portuguese and West African dialect mixed in. Yeah. Um, and and then the DJ Wall G was actually for, for both both groups, Busted Fro and Stelenegri. And so we got a chance to go back to Cape Verde many times through festivals and through shows and to always be a force of, of, of consciousness. You know, um, yeah. I, I don't shy away from being a conscious rapper. I know some people, they do. <laughs> and I never understood that or why. Maybe it's because of, you know, the age that I, I grew up in. Because for me, that's what hip hop is. You know, I, I understand the the, mm-hmm. the spectrum of it. But when, when I came up, like even the Wu-Tang, even the, uh, of course, the Wu-Tang, but even the, um, you know, uh, you know, I was going to not add OG, but a Kooji rap, right? It was yeah. always like where it came from, right? It, it was yeah. never just like, you know, just, you know, selling drugs just for the sake of drugs. Even Biggie, right? His his very first 
hit Juicy is very positive. Unfortunately, it was, mm-hmm. it was probably one of the most, you know, probably one of his biggest records, the most positive one. And then, you know, it just kind of uh, went downhill. In my, in my opinion, you know, he's an amazing lyricist, nothing to take anything from Biggie. Sure. Of course, from Brooklyn, you know, spread sure. love is the Brooklyn way. I always yeah. think about, about yeah. that. And, um, yeah. But unfortunately, his demise was be- because of this lifestyle that was mm-hmm. glorified mm-hmm. in American right. culture, right? Not just yeah. hip-hop, in American culture of, of guns and violence. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, yeah. and unfortunately, not enough spotlight on the totality of, of any person. Right, 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 right. Which is so interesting when you say the hijacking, because the customer, as much as we want to think that it is us and has always mm-hmm. been us, the customer that sold millions and millions and millions, mm-hmm. you know, Black people are 13% of the population in the U.S. Yeah. So when you're talking about multi-million, you know, platinum, multi-platinum albums, et cetera, et cetera, it's not yeah. only us that's buying it. Yeah. And so, oh, no. and, and you know, that's our population. And that is not the adult population. You know, so you, it just gets smaller and smaller. So the people who are buying it and hijacking yeah. it and who it's being marketed to, we have to be very mm-hmm. conscious of who that is and why those um, labels are particularly looking for certain kinds of inputs to sell to those people, right? Oh, yeah. So it's a mindset they want to sell to them. It's a fantasy and it's a role that they think they play as well, mm-hmm. you know? So, so yeah, lots to think yeah. about. when, when Yeah, you- oh, oh, totally. And and just to throw a, a little piece in the mix and there's, you know, an article that has circulated and I saw it, you know, come up again. And it was actually some students that brought it to my attention and it just validated what I always felt because living through it, I, I noticed that shift. And, you know, the, the, the story goes that, you know, all these record executives get invited to this meeting and they're like, yeah. hey, if you can move some of your artists to talk up and glorify yeah. the drug dealing and, and the putting down of, of, of the women and, and just the violence, um, we'll give you shares in uh, the prison industrial complex, you know, yeah. in private prison system. And, yeah. and for me, I, I believe it, even though the person who put published this article c- came out anonymous, you know, hopefully at some point we'll be able to find uh, that link. And, and it's not such a, a, a tough theory because as we saw how, how many uh, people of colors, you know, black and brown folks started to be in, incarcerated and put behind bars in, in the nineties, in, in nineties mm-hmm. into two thousands. Um, it's it's easy to see that it's not just due to hip hop, right? But also, you know, some of the policies that were passed uh, during that time. So there's been a, a hijacking of the people, and we know that once you're incarcerated, you lose your rights, your rights to vote, and mm-hmm. also, you know, um, you can also be used as, as free free labor. You know, by you know, there's so many people that are making you know products for companies right now. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, yes. And yes. Nothing yeah. or or just a fraction of what that um, you know the labor um, should be. So it mm-hmm. it's it's big business, and unfortunately, we um, you know the powers that be are still still controlling some of that power. But we always fight for that, you know, and through through uh, knowledge and wisdom <laughs> and music and art. That's how we get to put out you know some of our messages, in in, in especially in being independent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, that you brought up the prison industrial complex. It is a major industry, mm-hmm. has has been a major industry from the time that jails were first, you know, 
conceived, right? Yeah. So, for, you know, throughout the 1800s, like the we all, I mean, many people know this is that the chain gang built so mm-hmm. much infrastructure. They built railroads, mm-hmm. they built, they were, they worked at mines. So it was, it has always, you know, we, America has a real interesting, yeah. <laughs> interesting, oh, and I think it's not America. I just think it's the capitalist complex, right? Because it yes. happened in every place where, you know, colonizers came and where capitalism has taken hold is the exploitation of labor, usually for free. And usually it was of indigenous peoples or yeah. those who were brought to be for specific purposes as they were here. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's really deep. And, it, and it's important for people, I, I think, to always make those connections and not shy away from that because it's a it's a human challenge. Right. It's a it's a consciousness mm-hmm. problem. Right. And I always mm-hmm. you know, like to say, you know, you know, black, brown, red devil, white devil, still devil. You know, what I mean, like like mm-hmm. it's a devilish mindset. It's a greedy mindset. And, and mm-hmm. we know we can find it in any shade, even though it seems like you know, the lighter shades seem to be at the top right now, but that could easily flip, right? Exactly. And, um, and exactly. we see it, you know, in, in Africa, we see, you know, who's exploiting and killing off some of the brothers and sisters in Africa are, look just like, you know, us and look like the people that, that they're killing and exploiting. And so mm-hmm. it goes beyond a shade, but we know that, you know, racism is a tool um, that that's, has been used and, and used effectively, unfortunately, against against people um especially our people people of, of yeah. color and black and brown folks and so um hopefully one day you know the truth gets gets told and 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 it's unfortunate that a lot of times um it's to the detriment of those who are speaking the truth right that that um seem to uh lose out on on whatever in, even their freedom or their lives you know and i always think about you know, the grades like MLK, you know, we just, you know, mm-hmm. celebrated, we just celebrated, yeah. And, and you know, yeah. and, and Malcolm X and, you know, in Amilcar Cabral, most of these folks knew that they, uh, or Che Guevara, right, to take it international. Like these folks could have easily just, they got their degrees or got their knowledge and were like, okay, I could just make my money and be good, like a lot of people choose to do nowadays. But they said, no, I'm, I'm going to, tr- you know, make make my mark and, and try to free our people. And, and they, it caught, you know, they paid the ultimate sacrifice and I'm, I'm thankful that we honor them. And maybe one day we'll have a, a, a Malcolm X day. <laughs> that would be, that would be right. awesome. You right. know, right. Malik El Shabazz day. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that's the spirit that, you know, the, the music comes from and it, and it's for everyone. I, I think anyone who sh- who listened to this, for our light-skinned brothers, our Caucasian <laughs> brothers and sisters, <laughs> know that. you know we we love y'all. You know, I mean, and, and even mm-hmm. me, I mean, you, if people can't see me, but I'm of of the lighter shade. I'm, I'm a black man of the lighter shade because we have that in us, right? And we're, we're all we all came from Africa. Y'all just realize that. Even you right. seem right. to hate even the KKK <laughs> neo Nazi. Guess what? Y'all lineage is in Africa. All right. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, you, if yeah, you yeah. dig deep enough and, and don't shy away from the truth and the answer, and, and then maybe right. then we can be be one one day. Exactly. Right, maybe. <laughs> so I want to move on to talk about, as you're saying, you know, these people who we uphold as as trailblazers and and torchbearers with their works and their words, and particularly focusing on youth, which is where you land. 
So you, you, you went back to New Bedford to be a part of that movement, to really uplift youth in, in particular. But you've done quite a bit. You know, you've gone above and beyond. So tell us more about, so you did the music. You, you, you were very entrepreneurial in getting your music yeah. out there. Yeah. And so then how, how did you emerge as like a real like national figure in, in youth empowerment and, you know, the speeches and all those things? How did, how did that emerge? Yeah, um, I, I think a lot of it was just, you know, really being able to speak truth to power. you got to have mm-hmm. a certain level of, of confidence and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> brazen, <laughs> brazenness, um, you know. Be, and, and that I, I know comes from the fact that, like, we got our independence. Like, we won, right? Like, Cape Verde won its independence from the Portuguese. And so we knew our, our history. And so when I finally, as as a youth worker, as an activist fighting for education and equity in education, then had this realization that sustainability was the answer. So not only, you know, I found that within us, our circle was simply just black and brown folks, right? And, and spinning our wheels and, and, and realizing that like, you know, how do I connect this to this bigger issue now knowing, you know, the words around climate change and, and climate crisis and environmentalism, right? Environmental justice and knowing that, you know, sustainability, when, when I think of the definition, thinking of the three E's, environment, equity, right? And economy and, and connecting those three dots and saying like, hey, let's, let's really, you know, how do we really um, get free, but in a way that also frees the land, you know, frees the environment, frees the planet. Also is a way like, yeah, like wealth is beautiful, right? Like I, I feel like I'm I'm rich, right? Um, maybe if you look at my bank account, you might disagree, <laughs> um, but you know, it's all relatives, right? But I am rich because I, I, I can, I, I have these material things, but more importantly, I have love. More importantly, I have family. More importantly, I have relationships. More importantly, um, I'm doing something that I'm passionate about and, and being able to move in this space. And so it came through that I connected with this organization called Green For All, which was founded by Van Jones, another Cabralista, you know, Van um Van, those that don't know, his second son is named Cabral, um, mm. uh, and, and he, you know, looked up to Emilka Cabral, and and once I I read that and and you know heard his message was like, hey man, this is a brother that I can build with, even in his complexities, because Van is. Van is a, bu- a better man than me because he goes into places <laughs> that I can't, you know, and, and bipartisan and reaches across the aisle and speaks to the Republicans in ways that I, I can't, you know, I, I can to a degree, <laughs> but not. Mm-hmm. But we need everyone. Right. And that's what Amilcar Cabral taught Van and I. And so Van, you know, was looking to rebuild the dream, King's dream. And, and he came up with this organization called Green for All. And just like I said, was this idea of uh, what, what we call leapfrog economics, right? So the, the need, very trailblazing, right? The need for us to be in an industry that is going to help change the way that we build our machines, the way that we uh, power our machines, the way that we fuel our homes. So we're talking about renewable energy. We're talking about energy efficiency in our homes. And so... I was I was all for it. I was like, man, and you know, I finally found some allies of you know white folks that were about it, that got it right, and we all know how that feels, right? That ain't just 
placating or bringing you in as as a token, but really mm-hmm. know like, hey, you need to speak and here you grab the mic and you you lead this movement as opposed to just having you follow them. And so um, that movement really opened up the door for a national audience um, being able to go all the way to the other side um, as far as Oakland and and now uh, Dreamcore and and the Love Army was is all part of the uh, umbrella. And in the meantime, you know, connecting with the National Park, mm-hmm. I was able to really help some of the young young men and women of New Bedford in this collaboration with the Third Eye Unlimited um, nonprofit, which. I was a board member and also just a, a part of of the movement. And this collaboration had young young people um, where I was, you know, the artistic director, where we would uh, write songs about the history, local history of New Bedford, and also you know sustainability themes, and then shoot videos for it, and then put out an, an album in in travel through all these national parks, whether it's uh, what was happening in D.C. or you know, um, all the national parks across the nation. And so that helped to just expand um, some of the message, the positive side of hip hop, the conscious side of hip hop to continue to broaden and and to help people see that poetry is at the core of hip hop. Yes. uh, You know, the ability to to be responsible in your words and be conscious in your words, um, especially from a youth voice is so important because the youth, as we know, are always at the forefront of every revolution, of every um, innovative um, thinking. And so for for me in that role was just to uh, create and to amplify their voices. And the name of that that program uh, is the Youth Ambassadors Program or YAP. And uh, mm-hmm. you can check out you know a number of, of videos that that we did um, in connection with Ben Gilbarg, who was a founder of, of Third Eye, um, and um, uh, Frankie Barrows, who is is now uh, superintendent of of a national park of the East Coast National Park, so you know all of that is 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 fun and great because the reach gets gets wider and people get to really see that hey, this is a positive movement, this is a conscious movement that has everyone in mind, including the the the, the bees and the trees, you know, because you know we want to pollinate truth if you choose to see. Pollinate the youth to truly be free. Pollinate love. Let's all agree. I am the bee, you know, and so that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. You know, as we know, like he hears this insignificant oh, to some people like, oh, the bees, they give us honey. Like, no, they pollinate most of the things that we eat. Right. And so they're yeah. what's called stone species. And I think of the bees li- like us. Right. Or like the panthers. Right. It's like. Hey man, we're doing our thing with black people, you know, doing our thing, just trying to live. And then here, here you come. And then like, uh, we might have to sting you, you know what I mean? Because we will fight. We will fight for our freedom. Right. So, um, right. you know, they, like, the, you know, the verse goes, keystone species. We need these bees, honey. They pollinate most of the things you eat. Funny. They do this for free without a fee. Billions in produce produced nationally. Now millions of bees have abandoned their hives. If they disappear in four years, human race will die. That's a quote from the famous scientist Einstein. It's logical to anyone 
with half of mine, man. It's horrible where you think you're going to run and hide. It's possible for us to combine and stop. These lives respect all lives, wherever it resides, whether plant, algae, bacteria, or fungi. That's right. It's time for us to vocalize because if the bees die, then we too die. That's right. It's time for us to strategize because if the bees die, then we too die. I am the bee. Yeah. You I know. love it. I love it. Thanks for joining us for part one of my conversation with Tim Blessed. Catch us next week with part two of the conversation where we get more into his craft in terms of the new project Planeta Blue, The Rise of Agu, and also his work as a youth empowerment activist. You can catch us with new episodes each and every Tuesday at www.glocalcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes, folks. They are going to be very, very, very rich. We Temblas was dropping lyrics and dropping so much history and context. So I really encourage you to check out the show notes for this episode and every episode because we do them with you in mind. So until next time, I'm Florence to do again. Bye for now. <laughs>